Thank you for all the red. Thank you. The rest of you, maybe next year. But Well now, some of us here today may be among that group that we commonly refer to as cradle Episcopalians. Do we have some cradle Episcopalians? Oh, yes, I should have known. Yes. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that phrase, it's just a simple description for those among us who were born into and grew up in the Episcopal faith. I am not among you. My family joined the Episcopal Church when I was in fifth grade, and that was, uh, oh, maybe 60 years ago or so. I have many strong memories of that time, and I remember my very first priest. His name was Marcus Lucas. Who could forget that? And I can still picture him in his black cassock with his beretta firmly on his head, and I never saw him go outside without those two items on. Our church has experienced a great many changes since that time. For example, the 1928 prayer book was still in use, and if you're unfamiliar with this prayer book, you should make an effort to locate a copy and perhaps read through it. You might find the organization and the grammar somewhat stiff and formal, but there's, there's also a beauty and a reverence there that some feel is missing in our 1979 prayer book. Along parallel lines, we've grown up with a set of customs and habits in the Episcopal Church that we usually identify simply as the way church things are done. For example, at Christmas time, we have adopted and Christianized the Yule Log, which has a muddled history but is usually thought of as a very old pagan ritual involving the burning of a special log in the winter to bring luck and good fortune in the coming spring. We've also embraced the custom of the Christmas tree, which didn't even arrive in England until Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert, brought it over from Germany. Many of us may display a crash during the holidays, and that custom came to us from the Italy of St. Francis. Then, of course, we have the rich content of our hymnal, which came to us from every part of history over the past thousand years. When you add all of these customs and traditions together, the sum total becomes the way we do things. Add to this, then, the clothing the clergy and the servers wear in our church. In origin, some of these items are even older than our music. While it's true some items of clergy attire have fallen into disuse, we still maintain the basic dress and colors changing with the season. We've grown comfortable with these customs and traditions, these forms of prayer and worship and the music and language that goes along with it. These experiences over the years have become our religious culture. So all too often we may slip into the mindset, this is the way religion should be done. 
without really thinking about it, we can take for granted that others should pray and worship just the same way that we do. This mindset, of course, is not exclusive to the Episcopal Church. There are other faith traditions that are much more our way is the only way. And if you have ever tried to have a serious discussion with a Jehovah Witness member, you know very well what I mean. Today, the seventh Sunday after Easter, we celebrate Pentecost, the descent of the Holy Spirit on the first disciples of Christ. But not only did they receive the Holy Spirit, they also received a gift of language so they might take the teachings of Christ out into all corners of the world. Now, Reverend Diane and I had talked about how we might demonstrate this special event of the Holy Spirit as it descended upon all of us. We thought about maybe some red and yellow streamers that, that might be falling over your heads, or, or maybe a bombardment of those party confetti poppers that just kind of blow everywhere. But on second thought, when we considered cleaning up the resulting mess, we, we decided to pass on some big demonstration. But really, streamers and confetti will not help us to remember the lesson of Pentecost. Like it or not, we are living, we are living in an age of vast cultural upheaval and change here in America. As time passes, we may need to recognize there could be a difference between what has been the way things have always been done and the way we need to communicate the essentials of our faith. Just because we embrace those essentials in a way that is appropriate to and expressive of the culture we now are does not necessarily mean such will always be the reality. So are we as willing as those first Christians were to share our faith by speaking in the language of other people and to walk in their cultures. Frankly, I don't recall ever reading anywhere where Jesus said, go out to all the European Americans who are middle class or above, reasonably well educated, and preach to them the gospel. That is not the message of Pentecost. Change never comes easy, and none of what may follow us will be any easier than it was for any earlier generation. But the Holy Spirit will guide us not only for our children, whose cultural viewpoint is already different than ours, but also for those who may come among us from other cultures of the world. The only way we can hope to fulfill the call to go preach the gospel is by the power and grace of God. We must be willing, just like the early Christians, 
to open ourselves to the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit by prayers, by reading, by meditating on the scripture, and of course continuing in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of the bread. By the way, for those among us who have a difficult time with change, be forewarned. There is a church commission currently working on developing a new version of the Episcopal Prayer Book. Amen.